Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers. I'm so excited for tonight. I say that every episode, but I'm extra, 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 extra excited and honored to have my panel of guests here tonight. Um, we, I sent them a text, by the way, right before. I'm like, feel free to BYO. So if I'm drinking, hopefully um, some of my guests are drinking too. But I know Erica doesn't have a drink because she doesn't have any accessible. So welcome back to the Dreamcatchers podcast. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Jamie Stozer, one half of the Dreamcatchers. Tonight's episode is the second in our new arc that is part of our What's Your Story pillar. And we're calling it Where Are They Now? And we had this epiphany while we were working through Dream Camp and our um, different initiatives that we're doing for the summer of nostalgia and where are they now? And this is your life. And so much of who Marissa and I are personally and mostly professionally is because of the teams we worked with on the way up. So we had our girls, actually my girls from Turner here two weeks ago. Um, We went a little out of order because you guys, I guess, should have been first because you were first in my life. Um, so we're going backwards now and Marissa is going to be interviewing some of her teams and we're just excited to have some of our coworkers join us because so much of who we are and everything we talk about, um, comes a little bit from each of you guys. So, and I probably have quoted you all multiple times during every episode. So welcome, Marissa. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add to that. If not, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest tonight. No, I just wanted to say good evening to everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, I love time travel conversations i like to see where people were where they are now and um we do call upon the the women that we have here tonight quite often in conversation um i as i'm fortunate to work with my sister know each of these women very well from their influence in my sister's life um and in 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 life that used to be or in days gone by we had some fun um I mean, especially at Mary Beth has always a, 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 always been a great addition to any any time we've ever run into each other, I think in Hoboken a few times and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, Amy and Erica, who will introduce themselves in a second, were always super special to Jamie and anybody that's special to Jamie is special to me. So, um, and also not for nothing, I have been, I was on my own for so many years and if it weren't for all of their educational support, I don't know what would have happened to me professionally. So thank you indirectly for all the (laughs) gifts you bestowed my brilliant sister um, because she brings it all to everything that we do. So including, including carrying, including carrying a key, which is something that she talks about on a regular (laughs) basis. Oh, I didn't think we were going to go there. 
We right. may or we may or may not. It's, it's um, not. It's not really there. It's, it's just not relevant. It's, it's not relevant. It's, it's in the moment. It's a moment. It's a memory. Um, so I wanted to uh, welcome. Or a breaking late. point. Yes. Yeah. A breaking point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why I no longer work there. Um, so I wanted to introduce these ladies tonight. We were coworkers. I was trying to do the math at Marina Mark Communications, which is my first job out of college in 2003. Amy and I worked together first. And then um, Mary Beth, I think, was next, and Erica joined. No, no Erica I, may have. Was Erica was next, and then yeah. Mary, Mary Beth joined. So, I, Erica, you joined two years after me when you graduated, and then well, intern Mary Beth, first. And intern then I, first, and which then, we will, which yeah. we will discuss. Um, so, go ahead and introduce yourselves. I see Mary Beth first. I'd love to just have you introduce yourself to our audience. Um, you know, who you are, where you work or what you do now, whether or not you work or not, which I know that some of us Definitely do and some work. of us don't or have different um, responsibilities than we used to. Right. So what you're doing now, and then we're going to go backwards again after you introduce yourself. I'm going to chime in and talk about how I know you all. But okay. if you could just introduce yourself now, like what you're doing currently. Okay. Hi, I'm Mary Beth Murphy, Murphy Seibel. Actually, I don't use the Seibel part, but that's my husband's name. <laughs> and um, and so I, I won't talk about the past. So d- currently, I am the group people officer at a company called Landor & Fitch, which is a branding agency, part of WPP, which is a big global communications uh, holding company. And I've been with them since January of 2020. Right, like good right timing. before. Yeah, very good timing. So right before it all went down. Um, and I absolutely we love it. It's just a great new home for me. Um, so I, I'm in charge of the re- to the, of the Americas region. So there's about we have about seven offices in this um, in the in America oh. and Mexico. So it's kind of a bigger reach cool. for for me than I used to have when I was at MMC. I was at MMC for 13 years. So yes, I met Jamie and Erica and Amy way back in 2006, and I w- worked there until 2019. So I was there a long time. Um, so this is my uh, my new a- adventure and experience. So um, I'm very excited to be here with these guys that I have such great memories, but I still can't believe it started in 20, 2003. I mean, look at you ladies. You look amazing. No, it's, it's crazy. I can't it's even insane. get over it. I know it's bananas. Erica, I see you next on my screen. Where are you at now? Besides where you are sure. physically, which is also fun <laughs> to share. What is uh, I'm Erica Nadboy. I am live in New York City, but I'm currently in Wisconsin. Um, I am currently a managing director at Real Chemistry, formerly W2O. Uh, so doing communications, healthcare communications still. However, I'm in a consultant position, so I'm not full-time. Um, I'm 30 hours a week, nice. but with benefits. So I have like the, the, the cushion of that, which is kind of the downside always of being a consultant or a freelancer, um, but it's on a contract basis. So I've been with them for this arrangement since end of September, but I've been, I freelanced with them a little bit earlier than that in May of 2020. Um, And I was at MMC for 15 years Mm -hmm. uh, and I left in February of 2020. Wow. You left right before COVID. Correct. To freelance and travel the world. Now now we can, we'll probably get into this a little bit, but. Erica has also was very oh my fortunate God. to tra- Erica. To- what what a story! I can't wait to hear that. And also, story. Erica was fortunate enough to travel the world while working for MMC, which is a super cool story. Yeah, and something- thanks to me. Yeah, thanks to MB. Obviously, duh. <laughs> that's totally not true. It's <laughs> a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? Really, really what about cool. you, Aim? Go ahead and introduce yourself. 
Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm Amy Leonido Del Pizzo. I will, <laughs> I will say both. Um, and right now I am doing, I mean, there's a long story, but I am doing interior design. Um, I worked in awesome. PR for over 20 years and which is dating me tremendously, but I worked in PR for over 20 years and I started working in the home space. And I think one thing that's so great about PR is that you sink into so many different categories and you really get into the kind of minds of consumers and, you know, on the business side and also on the consumer side. And, and you realize, I realized how emotionally connected people are to their homes and I became fascinated with it. I also love the design aspect. So I went back to Parsons to take a few classes to just see, you know, how I liked it. And um, I loved it. I finished the program and I'm doing interior design. And you That's did amazing. that while you were at MMC, right? You were still, you were going to Parsons and working at MMC. Yes. Yes. I think I had moved into at that point, a consultant role, um, went back to school, did the consultant right. role. And then, you know, I always loved the PR and marketing aspect of, of life. I like, kind of like many different things. I think it's interesting to be into many different categories and get to know different people and work with different teams of people. And you just have that variety, which is why I always stayed, I think, in a PR agency and why agency life was always for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was able to consult and then go back to school and I was able to kind of do everything, which was nice, but the pockets of everything that really made sense for me and also my lifestyle at the time I was starting a family. Um, and I needed the time also that time for me and it worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Well, but I love it's a very nice pillow. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> pillow. Behind um, so I just want to share I just want to share a little bit for our Facebook audience specifically, but also obviously our podcast audience, how I met each of these ladies. Cause I talk about this all the time. Marissa's is like, ah, yeah, sorry, Marissa. I, I mean, I, uh, this is when I look down, I'll just text her. No, and to be fair, most of our audience knows these stories, but I think it's fun to give a name to a face because I've referenced it probably intermittently over the years and over, you know, with every candidate I touch at this point in some capacity. So um, I graduated from Michigan, as most of our audience knows, and Ming <laughs> went to Michigan as well. So go blue. We like to say that on every single episode and Erica as well. The color. Um, so I love it. So I went to Michigan, I undergrad degree in communications, which at that time and still, unfortunately, to this day, it doesn't necessarily set you up in any particular scenario when you first graduate. And actually, one, one of my passion projects is I work with Michigan to fix that a little bit for students that are coming out to educate them on different things that they can do with their degree. So at the time I was convinced or, you know, obsessed with working in PR at that time, I wanted to work in music PR and or entertainment or Broadway or dance. Cause I grew up, you know, as a dancer and I was fixating as I normally do on trying to find something like that. And I applied to every single PR agency in New York city that I could find on every list and I tell that to people even to this day, like find the list of the top agencies to work for, top mid-sized firms. They're everywhere. You can find them anywhere. Um, and I just applied, which by the way, at that time was via manila envelope in the mail. Um, and then I would call to follow up on my application and yada, yada. I got a postgraduate internship in September of 03 um, at Marina Mar, 
working on their CoverGirl account, which is their flagship account and was at the time. And it was amazing. But I was an intern. I remember thinking, I don't want to intern. I went to Michigan. Like, what the hell? And um, loved it. Don't get me wrong. I had a great experience there. Still am connected and and um, have touch points with the girls I worked with at that time. And at the end of my internship, I was offered the opportunity to work full time where I was like, duh, I want to work here full time. And at, but at the time they were like, well, we don't have anything in beauty. And I know that was where you like ideally wanted to be. I'm like, actually, I wanted to be in music, but I took <laughs> one for the team there. They're like, we have a position available on our healthcare team. And I remember thinking like, what? Like, I don't want to do that. You know, I was like, I have no interest, zero interest. And they're like, just meet the team, see if you like them, decide from there. So PS the story, I meet Amy. And Amy's like gorgeous. Her hair is back right now, but like gorgeous hair. And like, oh, and I have this like image of what healthcare PR is. And I'm like, this girl is not healthcare PR. Like in my brain, I'm like, you look a little more healthcare PR right now, like hair back yeah. and glasses. But I was like, I was like, I'm like, this girl's like gorgeous and cool and like gets it. And like, and I remember thinking, I'm like, all right, maybe it is about the people and not about you know, the brands. And I loved the agency. So I was like, sure. So P.S. That is how I met Amy. She was my first boss in PR. And we worked together on and off for many, many years in different areas of PR. I worked for her. Then I didn't work for her. Then I worked for her again. And in that little, I loved that office where you like had the U-shape office that was like yes. you were in this like dark mm-hmm. nook. Um, and I loved working for her. And that is how I met Amy. And that was my first experience in PR. So needless to say, I don't work in PR anymore, which is interesting scoop, which I'll get to. But I met Erica because she was my pledge at Michigan. So she was in my sorority and I was her new member educator and she was my pledge. So my first story is about taking a chance on something that maybe isn't what you thought you wanted. And because you met somebody that you think is super inspirational and cool and normal and gets you and feels like an inspiration to you and is not what you expected. That was Amy. And then Erica is a good example for me of somebody who... I kept in touch with and kept in touch with me and we were connected and we were always friends and she was looking for an internship and wanted to do what I do. And she came in as an intern and PS this story, as I like to jokingly say, I'm responsible for her entire career because <laughs> then she ended up, because then she ended that's up fair. saying it. It's fair. That's and then she ended fair. up being a dear friend and mentee of mine slash friend at, and peer of mine as we got older. Um, and then Mary Beth came in in 2006, You right? It was 2006. And she was our first ever HR person, like a like like really strong person to work in HR of any capacity at Marina Mar. And we were super small at the time. And when I joined it, we were probably was less like than 50 people. Yeah, yeah. 50 or 60 oh, yeah. people. How many people are there now? Does anyone know? Like off the top of your head? Over 200? Over? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Over 200 people. Uh-huh. So we were 50. We were 50 but all, yeah, and I'm I, part of a and, network and yeah. So Mary mm-hmm. Beth. Okay. That's right. So it's part of a consortium now. And Mary Beth was our HR person. And we, we became fast friends just as my HR person and as a HR, you know, recipient, if you will. And I was starting to feel unhappy at the time. I loved Amy. I loved my role, but I had some bad experiences and I would go to Mary Beth and I just loved her. And she would talk to me about what it is that I was doing. And this is one of my favorite stories. I tell it often. I'll tell it again. She said to me, she said, I have a homework assignment for you. I want you to go home and I want you to think about the three things you love the most about your job. I don't know if you remember this, MB. And I said, and I went and you were like, just, I want to know like what you do love. Like you're unhappy and you don't love doing this, this, and this. 
So at the time in PR, I was an AE, you know, I was four or five years into my career. My answer should have been, I love taking people to lunch or like, you know, entertaining clients, or I love writing press releases, or I love, you know, making an impact and affecting a sale, or I love doing events, whatever my answer should have been. My answers were, I like to do the internship program and manage people like Erica. I loved doing the bulletin boards and I love doing hot, 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 our newsletter. Okay. These are my three answers. These are my three answers. Mary Beth looks at me and goes, that's not your job. None of those things are your job. And I was like, I know you're, um, she's like, you have to stop focusing on your extracurriculars. I'm like, that's a problem I've always had. And PS to this, a few conversations still this, later, still to this day, still this day, I like to, or, I like to focus on things that are not important. And I, she said to me, she's like, listen, I'm thinking about hiring an HR associate. I want to show you the job description. Cause a lot of what you're saying is things that I think you would be really good at. And she, this woman right here convinced me to make a career change into HR. And then I left her high and dry a year later, but we don't have to talk about that. Right. This uh, we, we talk while about pregnant, that. while pregnant. And then we Mary Beth, we talk about it a lot. All the time. Record, so you can feel validated. We talk about it a lot. Oh, I so, believe you. And you know, what's so, funny though. I have a yeah. little fact check situation going on here. This is the way I remember it. You, <laughs> you took me to lunch at Hillstone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and yeah, she sat delicious. me down at like the bar and you said I had, and you brought out your piece of paper. Perhaps it was the paper that I had like inspired you to write, but you were like, here is my, the reason why I want to work for you in HR. I, this is my proposal. And I did I do that. So freaking impressed. I was like, who's, who does that? Like, that's amazing. You took all this time to think about it. So maybe the other part's true too. I'm sure it is. But I think you, I think we t- then work together maybe on putting together a full job description yeah. that included what you needed and what I wanted to do. And we pitched it to the powers that be at the time. And we got pushback. It was tough. And it was, you know, to, to make a decision to do, to make a career shift inside the agency, which by the way, I talk to people all the time about, if you're not happy in your role, there might be another opportunity inside the firm that you don't necessarily know about. Um, and it was hard. Like I was administering payroll at the time. I knew what everyone made. I knew who reported to who, or who was on warning or, and, and, you know, that was what I was about to go do. And I was on the side of, of doing the work and working with the people. So to then go from nothing to all this confidential information about people I worked with was really not something that the firm really wanted me to do. They're like, well, you know, you're going to know what everybody, you know, does and makes. And, and it was, it was a tough sell, but Mary Beth, that was not the first time, but she protected me and stood up for me. And she, um, you know, and she fought for me and I got the position and that is how I started my career in, in HR. So I talk about that and recruiting because that's, then we built the firm, she and I, with our two hands, four hands from 50 people to, I think by the time I left a year later, we were close to 75 people. We hired like 25 people. You were only there that year. I can't believe we only worked together for less than a year or a year. It was like a year. It was like longer. It might've been a year and a half. It might've been a year and a half. I remember exactly when it was because I was pregnant with twins. Thank you very much. When she (laughs) took me to lunch at a different place. No, no, no. She took me to lunch. It was my birthday. Oh yeah. And I resigned on my birthday. I'm still uncomfortable that my sister did it. I like counsel people. I like counsel people against everything I did. Yeah, but yeah. just goes to show you, I made some mistakes. But she's yeah, but like, yes and no, because you were very transparent with me. You were like, I need to tell you this as a friend, as my boss, as my like mentor. It, you, you didn't just drop the bomb in the way that you, it sounds. It was really like, 
Should I take? I also, which by the way, I wasn't looking. I got rec- I got a, a lead. It was the first lead. Somebody I know worked at Turner, and she's like, the HR girls are looking for someone. I think this could be a great way for you to learn HR. Like it was just me and Mary Beth at MMC, and it was yeah. it was a rough go for me. We don't need to go into it. We had a little bit of you know bumps. Um, and so I ended up going over to Turner about, I guess it wasn't a year. It was like a year and a half we worked together. And then I was able to then, which this audience heard last week or two weeks ago, you know, I supported 760 people across the country, um, so you different. Know, with one year of experience at HR. So it's like, it was like my boot camp. So Mary Beth was my intro and then Turner was my boot camp. Um, so, so happy to have you all all here tonight. We're going to talk briefly before we wrap the Facebook feed. I'd love to hear from each of you. One, um, we're going to, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up. And then when you had your aha moment of how you then spent your career. So obviously Amy is doing something completely different even still. Um, But I'd love to hear what you wanted to be when you grew up and then a little bit about your aha moment of how you landed to what you do now or like how you got to where you are. So I think, you know, for example, and for inspiration, you know, one of the things Marissa and I always talk about is there usually, not to put too much pressure, there's usually some sort of correlation with like what you wanted to do at your earliest memory and what you actually spent your life's work doing. Um and whether that's it's the exact same thing or it's inspired by the thing or it's the exact opposite. But there's usually some sort of interesting correlation. We like to do that to like show people that things that you dreamed of being when you were a little kid doesn't necessarily have to go away because you can find Erica's mind is career. turning. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'll start. Actually, I'll start with you, Erica. What did you want to be when you grew up? I like, I don't really remember ever having a career aspiration and I'll say that I still don't really have a career aspiration. So you're, so you're saying you're consistent. Yeah, I guess in that sense, I I think if I could like faintly recall, maybe something like I liked magazines. So you could say that correlates, but I honestly, like Jamie said, she, I got the internship at MMC. I fell into it. I didn't major in communications. I didn't want to be in PR. I didn't know anything about healthcare. So it really just like was an opportunity that then led to a career but not a career I felt like I like action to and wanted to be correct. Yeah. Um, and I still feel that way. Like I got it. I got a good opportunity. It went really well. I kind of like just let it ride. Rode, you rode the wave. Yeah. And have kind of like still done that. Um, you know, the one thing I, I said from the beginning, I think at post-college um, that I still sometimes say is that I want to work in sports, which you've all heard me probably talk about at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have not actioned that. I, you know, there was an opportunity to do PR in sports. I haven't ever tried hard enough to make that a thing and kind of just been comfortable and had a really good ride. Um, and I think had I, had I to do it again, I probably would have done sports marketing at Michigan to really hone in on that more at an earlier point in my career. Um, but yeah. Is she frozen? I think so. Uh-oh. Wisconsin of where it's taking oh, me. Yeah. Real North star. <laughs> you will. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that in and of itself is inspirational because here's somebody who tripped into a job because of a relationship and with me and, you know, and just was like, that sounds good. And that right. in and of itself can be inspirational to someone. Cause I think sometimes people don't know what they want to do and that it's important to 
reach out to people that you trust and that you know from whatever point in your life, whether you're a new grad or a job seeker or you're in your third act, as I said earlier, you know, just think about who you know that you like personally. Mm-hmm. Marissa and I talk about this all the time. Like, who are you as a human being? Like, Eric and I were friends. So she's like, if Jamie works there, it's probably fun. Like, she probably mm-hmm. is happy there, you know? And that's how she started, which is such an interesting, like, take on that question, you know, Marissa? Yeah. And honestly, she wanted to, she loved magazines and that, you know, even though we didn't, you know, for those of you that don't know the true beauty of PR at that time, at least, it was getting your product into a magazine, into an article, not an advertisement. Um, <laughs> now it's influencer marketing and all sorts of other things. But at that time, it was very important to have a relationship with the magazines and the editors and the journals and all that stuff. So it doesn't surprise me that you ended up in that direction of like having to work in some sort of editorial content. Um, I bet you really, really love the Simone, the Simone story this week. Oh my God. Simone's story this week was, did you, are you able to, are you, you're in the middle of nowhere. Are you watching TV? Did you get to watch? The I'm Olympics? not, I'm not watching. I see it on, on social media, but no, not live. It's really incredible. Um, the yeah. Olympics are happening right now. Erica. Yes. By the way, the, so Olympics, Erica, are going the Olympics are happening. And also we have to wear masks again. Yes. <laughs> Those by are the, the two way. things you need to worry about. By the way, that's what's happening. Not um, a very, very anti-mask mask there, but yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah you're not here. Not there. No, they, Amy, don't, they don't have COVID there. Amy, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? What's your first memory? I think my earliest first memory, to be honest, was like to be on Broadway. It was mm-hmm. like to sing every Annie song I could, every, you know, Wizard of Oz. Like I was very into theater when I was a kid. So like, that's my earliest, I would say my earliest memory. When I got into like high school and started thinking about college, it re- I really resonated with what you said about just like, oh, I have a friend who did this. Or my parents had really good friends that um, were speech pathologists. Their daughters were speech pathologists. So it was like, I liked them. I trusted it. I loved kids. I worked in like day camps my whole life. I was in camp, like I was a permanent camper, I always said. And it just sounded like a good idea. So I went to school for speech pathology. And very quickly out of school, I realized I was in a classroom with these adorable children. And, you know, I was doing an important job. And I just kept thinking about what else could I be doing? Um, Mm -hmm. I was also at the time in a relationship with my college boyfriend and I was slated to move back to Boston and like go get my master's and like on this one path. And I just like kind of stopped everything. And at 25, one of the women that I worked with in a a deer mountain day camp in Rockland County. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was a rival. Yeah. Big rival. Big rival of us. And now my daughter goes to Ramapo. So it's like, oh, come on. Oh boy. Um, but I remember her, she said, um, you know, I had my dad at the time, you know, worked for ABC since retired, but I was very like interested in like communication, like everything I always did was based in like, it was like national students for speech and language hearing. I would run their better speech and hearing month. I would do all the events. I would do the recruiting events. Like, like I would do things that were related to PR communications, marketing, even when I was working, when I was in the world of speech pathology and it wasn't a very long world, you know, it wasn't a very long time, but I quickly also moved into the city, got my first apartment. So it was not just like a career change. It was a lifestyle change. It was, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, not going to be with my college boyfriend anymore. I'm, I'm going to go get an apartment, live in the city, be with my friends, 
have a good time, have a job and go out and, and PR. My first job was, um, for carrier air conditioning. So, you know, I was like pitching HVAC today and I was like, perfect. I'll take it, you know, cause it was just to me, the lesson was I just needed the experience. And then once I got into it and I started getting my footing and realized, do I really like this? I gave it a year. And then I was like, yes. And then I went to a, a bigger agency, Edelman, and I worked in consumer products, consumer health. And I really had a great, you know, really great experience there. And then I met Marina Mar, who owned, you know, Marina Mar Communications at the time. And she was really inspiring to me. I got, I knew I was just going to get opportunity. And I think it was that transition when I went there and I worked in consumer health that I stayed there for 15, over 15 years. Um, And that's when I really felt like I went from having a job to having a career because I knew that I really loved it. I reinvented myself there several times. You know, a message I would say to your audience is find a job where you can grow internally. And if you can really grow internally and you can get opportunities and have people listen to you and really get you and you can articulate not even like exactly what you want to do, but like, you know, these are the areas that I'm interested in. Is there anything that we can build together? And like you talked about, Jamie, with what you did with Mary Beth and, you know, Mary Beth has been, you know, certainly for me over the years, you know, thank you very much, Mary Beth, for being an, a voice of reason and someone to listen to. And, you know, there's peaks and valleys in everything that you do and every relationship, including the one you have with your job and your own career. And for me, it was just, it was just awesome. I actually left for a year and came back for a global experience. And then I, and then there was another experience that another opportunity that came up at MMC, it was the right time. And I went back Um, and it was great. Like there was no, it was just made sense. And I think Mm. being respectful to yourself and honoring what's inside your heart, but also what your mind is saying and doing things that make you feel good, motivate you. At least it does for me. I know a lot of people, you know, may just sit in a position and just feel like they're going through the motions and that's okay. Um, They may have other things going on in their life. So job may be a means to an end, which is okay. As long as it's okay for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad has the saying, you know, if you don't mind, it don't matter. And, you know, there were many times when I said, you know, I mind and it matters and I need to make a change. Mm. And eventually I got into a position where I started working at home. I think I mentioned this earlier. I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. I really felt like so emotionally connected to homes and like how people made decisions. And I also was incredibly passionate about design. We had just bought a home in the Hamptons and I did the design of it. And I thought, this is really good. Can I really do this? You know, it's not just throwing a few pillows around. I really wanted to understand. And I hope that that's something that, you know, is a differentiating point for me. What I bring to clients is I understand the process. You know, I get it. I get how taxing this could be. I get how design can be intimidating. Um, I worked with a designer initially when I first, you know, before I got into design and he made me feel like such a, like kind of dumb, actually. Like, you know, he asked me what my style was and I was like, I don't know. I like Pottery Barn. You know, that was like <laughs> my, my very innocent answer. And he's like, he just looked at me and didn't even know what to say. 
And I thought, I'll never do that to people. I'll help them find their way and help Mm -hmm. them see that there's creativity inside of everybody. And I think, you know, a message for me too, is find people that you work with, whether you're hiring them, you know, as a contractor or designer, or you're working with them, but find people that help bring you along, um, bring you along in the process and feel emotionally connected to them. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is like, I realized also working through all these years, I mean, I was in PR for, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years, really, because I did, you know, consulting as well, because I just really enjoyed it and enjoyed many aspects of it. But for me, it's like, you have to work with people that you trust, and, and know when things aren't feeling right, they're probably not, but try to work through them. And then if you mm-hmm. don't get to a certain point when you're like, I don't see this, then it's okay. Take another path, you know, believe, believe in yourself because at the end of the day, you're going home with you, nobody else at the office, you know? So true. It's so true. And you know what? So much of what you're saying correlates to what you're doing now. I mean, PR is so much about client service and I credit my years in PR for who I am as a client service professional and so much of just even the basics of who I am that I picked up at my job at MMC. I mean, using a notebook and checking things off a list and how to use Outlook. I mean, Mary Beth has taught me all the weird things I know how to do in Outlook, like dragging an email into the calendar to put something the best to put it on your calendar. Um, so just so much that you learn along the way, Amy. And, you know, it's funny, I listen to your stories and I think I probably would have been just fine had I stayed in, in PR. I would have been extremely successful, probably more successful than I ended up being until you know, right. more, more recently. Um, you know, I had some trips and falls there, but I do think, you know, PR is a wonderful career path for somebody with our personalities, which are engaging, forward-facing, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of person that I always, I think, define myself to be entertainers, performers, like curious. curiosity there. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. And I always say this and I'll say it in this audience too, PR and HR, are basically the same thing. And HR is doing PR essentially in marketing for the company to the employees and for the employees to affirm as if I'm you're a recruiter, it's so much of that same skill set of like, knowing how to communicate on behalf of somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's basically on behalf of yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's essentially what the, the, if it boils all the way down to a skill set. It's communications, which is really what, you know, I went to school for and it really ends up really coming back full circle. So I don't think it's that different when people Jamie, are coming you know what to I me. always said, like, yeah, when I first got my job in PR when I was trying to work my way into a, a brand new career that I had absolutely no experience in. And, you know, I was 25 at the time and people were coming out of school, like Erica and you like internships, like right into PR. And they said, what makes you qualified to do this? And I said, I was a waitress Mm -hmm. all through college. And they said, what do you mean? And I was like, you have to wear 18 different hats at one time. You're Mm -hmm. talking to the line cook. You're talking to the hostess. You're talking to the owner of the restaurant. You're Mm -hmm. talking to the customers you know, like you're, you're meeting needs in a way that's positive, productive. You're representing the restaurant, you're representing the brand. And I went through all these things and you're doing it all like in a four hour shift. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And- you know what? I love that example. Cause Marissa and I say this all the time to people where people say to us, I took my, I took all that off my resume and we say, keep it on. Yeah. Keep it on. It's- yeah. These are skills that you can't teach if you don't have them. Like you can, but eventually, but they're innate. Like if you've been a waitress 
If you worked at a day camp, like Mary Beth was alluding to earlier, you worked at camps, you worked with kids, you've been a lifeguard, you worked a cash register. That was my background. Worked in retail. Right, right, right. Yeah, me too, me too. It shows patience, it shows tenacity, it shows the ability that you can show up. Yeah. It shows that you can be neutral or that you understand different types of personalities. Yeah, I was going to say you can shift gears from, like you said, you're talking to the the customers, you're talking to the waitress, talking to the hostess. Yes, it speaks volumes. It's funny. And I always said that no matter what, no matter what, if I ever lost my job or I ever, because I've left my job before having a new job too. I've done that because I just knew it like wasn't working. I always in the back of my mind, think I could waitress if I needed to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So true. Especially if you have that, if you have that ability and, and background, I mean, why not? I agree. And I think especially now that's great advice. Yeah, like um, I always had something. I was a good waitress, actually. Yeah, I believe it. And I could balance a lot of things. That's yes. very hard. It I was something I was proud of. Yeah. I don't talk catering, that often. Catering very bad. <laughs> not easy. It's not easy. No. Mary Beth, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your earliest okay. memory? Great question. So I grew up with my parents, my two brothers, and my grandmother, who was like 78 when I was born. So she was always old, but she was the most freaking amazing woman ever. She was a nurse in the first world war. She was one of the only nurses on like trains in the freaking first world war that was like taking care of these soldiers. Like to me as a little kid, I was like, that's amazing. You're my hero. But what, now that you watch these movies, you're like, Oh my God, that was my grandma who lived with me. Like, yes. Holy crap. So anyway, she was a nurse. So of course I wanted to be a nurse because she was like my life. And I love what you said before, how it like you bring it back around and you're like, okay, obviously I'm not a nurse. Could never have done that. Way too much math and biology and shit like that. But I realized I like to care for people. That was the connection there, right? So then from there, I wanted to be an actress like Amy. And I totally thought I was going to be <laughs> certain. I mean, I was Ada Wanny and many other very important roles that I had when I was like 15. But then that, that tomorrow. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not Ado Annie. Ado Annie's from Oklahoma. Come on. Oh, now. I'm sorry. I thought you said Annie. <laughs> no, it's okay. Sorry. No, Amy said Annie though. I did. Okay. Yeah. I was I was focused on the red. I totally get it. Anyway. Uh yeah, and I was too tall to play her. You know. Yes. Yeah. So I was always very tall. Anyway. Right. So then uh my first real job. So connecting up to there, that was my dreams died. And then I I started working at Saks Fifth Avenue as a summer job. Um, like Father's Day job, you know, this your classic like folding sweaters and stuff like that and I stayed for 15 years <laughs> so I was like I just never left I was my it was my summer job my holiday job I went back every year and then when I graduated I was like I got a degree in journalism but it was from East Carolina no one really knows that school so yeah. <laughs> not really that accredited so I was like I'll just go back for like the time being and see what happens And then I just stayed because I loved it. I loved the people. It was like a home. So I was thinking before how you were like, both, all of you have taken risks within your job, but stayed like, even though you stay within that job, like, especially Amy and Erica, Mm -hmm. you took risks within that environment. And I would, I would recommend that. Like, you you don't have to leave in order to take a risk. You can be like, I want to do this and have this different experience. Mm -hmm. And then, then it kind of prepares you for the bigger risks either in life or with your career, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, that's definitely, I mean, I, Erica and I, I watched her grow up, you know? So she took a ton of risks. She would come to me and be like, I don't wanna do this anymore, I wanna do this now. And I'm like, all right, I'll try to figure that out. <laughs> and, you know, I again, I'm just kidding. It wasn't me. That bad boy, she's so needy. <laughs> <laughs> 
great that she did that because I think that also allowed you to do the things in life that you that you do. And you want you have a very like if you want to get into Erica, she has like a very cool personality where she's like, that sounds good. I'll try that. You know, like yeah. you're nonplussed kind of gal, you know. Um, and Amy's different. Amy's like feels things. So she's like, I need to feel it. I need to feel like I want to do this thing. And I'm like, all right, follow your heart. You so know, Pisces I have a different way. Same. Same. So anyway, I worked at Saks for a million years. And then that's when I started working in HR. When I was there, I started first in training actually, and loved it. Cause I took a little of the acting thing and like getting on stage and helping people, the nursing thing. And then from there, my old boss, actually Stephanie Flenno, I will name her took a chance on me because she wanted to be her wanted me to be her HR person and told corporate that. And they were like, she doesn't have any experience. Like what? She's just some homegrown gal that had worked there forever. And she's like, no, she's, she's going to do this. She can do this. So I had to interview several interviews in corporate. I was super nervous. I didn't know anything. Honestly, they were like, what's a union? What's a law? What's an HR law? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything, but they gave me, um, they gave me the job. And from there, like, basically the rest is history. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool that somebody took a chance on me. And then that was a really long time ago, but I have been able to, to make a real career out of it from there. That's kind of neat. It's so cool. And what did I, I be- just talking. Oh, I was saying, what did I come and ask you for? I feel like I was just like, Hey, you want to switch me divisions? Okay. You want to like move me to the, set, the new company you acquired? Like, I don't really want to, but okay. Uh, good I mean, question. besides the traveling part, which was separate, we can, you can think about it and get back to me. That's a good point. She's, what? She's, she's yeah. putting you on the spot here. She is putting you know, you can think about it and get back to it. I right, think, we'll, we'll I think, <laughs> I think this is, we're going to wrap the Facebook feed in a second, but I just want to sum this up for a second. It just goes to show you that each of these women set out to do one thing. They're each doing something a little different. And I think what's really, to me, inspirational about their story and our stories connecting to each other is this, you know, listen. I was going to say this in when we posted, when I posted it to promote the episode. So at the time when I was at Marina Mar, the um, tagline that we all had in our signatures was building brand relationships. And one of the things that my dad used to like joke with me and like every time he hung up the phone, he called me at the office. He's like, go build some brand relationships. <laughs> so, you know, he thought it was like so cheesy and funny that it was like on the bottom of every one of my emails. But I actually thought was what was I was going to bring it to tonight is that each of our stories that we all just shared was about a relationship of some kind. And so I think what's so important to share when you are really struggling and you're like, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to even begin? How do I start? It is so shocking to Marissa and I. We do this work all day, every day, how it doesn't necessarily come naturally to someone to think about who they already know to to help them and how do you ask that person for help and what do you say and then also to look at the people you know the relationships you do have and like we said earlier like erica didn't know anything about pr and she just knew me also and thought it was a change cool thing. doesn't have yeah. to be change doesn't have to be revolutionary to be change agree right it could be a sidestep like you you don't get points for like changing excessively so you're looking at people here where ironically, I mean, Jamie speaks about each and every one of you as if you work together on Tuesday, right? And it's it's almost time. 20 years ago and you all work together for, for better or for worse for almost 20 years longer than Jamie was even there, which is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. 
right? So, mm-hmm. you know, my point is, is within your organization, you were able to figure out how to fill your buckets yeah. without like, you know, I, for me, I'm a conservative individual. Like I'm not going to bungee jump, but I may want to go on a hike. Right. right. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes professionally you want to look for a hike, not necessarily a skydive. So you need to be able to look within, I'm a huge analogy person, especially after I've had a glass of Moscow, but um, you have to look within your own network to be able to figure out how you can grow yourself and or in turn grow your community or grow your own organization with what you can add by sidestepping a little bit. And you, you all are proof of that. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I would also say as an HR person, just ask, just ask, you know, no harm in asking. If you're like, can I just like go to that meeting and sit on the sidelines and listen? Sure. Mm-hmm. I almost, I swear 90% of the time we'd be like, all right, sure. I'll figure out how to make that work for you. Like, it's not a big deal. You know what <laughs> and I, mean? I think, like, I think that great. as, I think as, as humans, but mostly as women, we aren't necessarily comfortable like asking for what we want. I mean, listen, I listened to Glennon Doyle's podcast, like religiously, I'm obsessed with her. And I think we are just unfortunately or fortunately ingrained with certain behaviors, like, you know, in general as human beings, but as in her point, as women. Um, and we, that's what Marissa and I try to do. We empower mostly women, but I mean, listen, we have listeners all over the place um, from every background. But I think this is a great, I mean, we're going to wrap the Facebook feed now so we can look and you, if you want to listen to the rest of our tips and tricks on how to be in powerful women, powerful women, um, you can listen to that podcast after, but what I was going to just wrap with was, you know, is a hundred percent what Mary Beth just said, just ask. And the other thing I was about to say is always say yes. So if somebody says to you, do you have time to like step into this meeting and you don't necessarily know if it's like, what you want to be doing, just say yes, just try it. Because if you don't go, you don't know. Mm. So, and then you can decide if you maybe want to make that shift, make that change. Um, So we say that all the time, just say yes. I mean, not always, obviously. If it's like seven o'clock at night and you're like, I don't really want to do that. Um, But if you're given the opportunity to meet someone new, whether it's inside your firm, outside your firm that wants to meet you, just say yes, just go. Because you just never know. And like, that's what happened to me and Amy when I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work in that field. And then I met her and I was like, oh, or like when I went to Mary Beth and she, you know, or Erica came to me because she said yes. And so did I, you know? So with that, we'll wrap our Facebook feed main. We can now, you know, really get sloshed. And no, I'm just kidding um, because we're not going to be on air. Um, but thank you guys so much. Thank you, our sponsors at Choice Associates and to a shared universe for doing our sound and we will see you on the podcast apps. You can find us anywhere that you find your podcasts. Every day that we leave with light as the dream catchers is made possible by our parent company, partners in crime, choice, fashion and media division of choice associates, where we've been putting people to work since 1974. So if you're looking for work or you're looking for people to work for you, check mm-hmm. us out. www.choicepersonnelinc.com.
Um, okay, so we're going to wrap our Facebook feed now. So then we'll be able to chat more freely. Um, you can shake your sillies out. They won't be able to see your face. Sorry, anymore. I should have, I should have, bro- oh, I was fine. losing power on the laptop and I was trying to get it to plug in. And- it's all good. Really? It's all good. Not to worry. I'm not um, wearing pants, you know. Um, okay, so yeah, totally. Pajama bottoms. Yeah. So our next question that I'd love to kind of shift into, um, you know, we normally spend, when we're on a panel, obviously we can't ask you everything. Obviously we, we spend a lot of time talking about how you got to where you are, but I think what I'd love to hear from each of you is a little bit about how the last year has affected you professionally. And, um, with that, any advice that you have for a job seeker, right? So each of you come at this in a different way. You know, Amy runs her own business now and Erica works for a brand and Mary Beth works in HR. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on how this pandemic has affected your roles and also what advice you have to a job seeker. Because typically, you know, not everybody listens to us as a job seeker, but typically somebody that's listening to our podcast is either thinking about making a move or can't decide if they're going to make a move or just needs a little professional hug. So we always ask our guests to kind of share some insight that might, if it were you listening, what you might want to hear from a professional in this space. So we'll start with Erica first, because we'll just go backwards this this time. Um, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about how this has affected you, I know you shared at the beginning that you made a change right before. Um, so we'd love to hear kind of how this has changed for you and then any advice that you might have for our listeners about just work, um, working right now. Sure. Uh, is this an appropriate time to, to maybe share a little about remote year? Cause I feel like, yeah, it's all kind of yes, please together. do. Okay. Cause I love okay. this about you. Yes, please yeah. do. Okay. Um, so while I was at MMC, I got a sponsored Instagram story that was like, do you like to work? I do. <laughs> and I just like clicking through, it was like, find out more and like enter your night email at this place. And it was a, like a paid ad that was targeted me for remote year, which was a company. This was now 2018. Um, and the whole premise was in today's technologically connected world, we can all do great work from anywhere right? Like, which is all proven to be true over the past year. But like in 2018 was like somewhat of a novelty. And I put my name in and then someone contacted me and was like, yeah, we can set up an intro call. And basically what it was, was an opportunity to keep your job, whatever that may be, whether you were in market research, whether you were in a startup, whether you were a graphic designer or worked in PR, whatever it was, do that job remotely while traveling with a group of like-minded individuals and living in a different country, for a month over the course of a year. And I was like, that sounds really awesome. Like I've been, in I remember looking at your, your posts and I was like, what? And why didn't this yeah. exist before I was a mother? Yeah. And like, I was so mad. Way, I was like, I want to do this so badly. Where, Amy, the two where founders, did you go? The two, the two founders went to Michigan, by the way. Duh. I think I knew that I, I stalked them. Where, where, I think did, it's where, genius. where did you live? So there was a 12 month app. So I, I like had put this whole, I worked with this woman at person at remote year to put together a whole proposal and came to my annual review with the proposal to do this thing for a year. By the way, they had recently announced a four month program. And so when I presented it, um, they were like, do you have to be a year? And I was like, well, there's a four month option. They were like, okay, we prefer that. So I, um, I went, spent a month in Valencia, Spain, Sofia, Bulgaria, Cape Town, South Africa, and Prague. And then I did a little like extra, in, uh, I went back to Cape Town for a bit and then went to Columbia. Oh my gosh. All while how, working. How did, you, how did you pick, how did you pick those? It was it's part a of preset the- itinerary. So like you opt into a trip 
that's like these are the four places you're going over the four months. And if you've got the 12 months, it's these are the and you go with your Prague, group to Prague all the places. To, Prague to Columbia? Cape Town to Prague. Those are the four. And then I separately went back to Cape Town on my own for a few weeks and then went to Columbia with some friends on vacation. Erica, are you just like, thank gosh you got to do this before COVID? Yeah. I mean, so they great. still are they still in business? Are they doing this now? They're, they paused, but now they're back up and running. Yeah. Wow. What um, a cool thing. And this was before any of this was like a thing. Like, like no one right. would ever have thought at that time that it was, you could do your job from anywhere but the office. Fascinating. And like, obviously there was enough people that this company was surviving, right? Like we had a group of 32 people who were all got approval from their jobs. I mean, it was different. Like some people had their own companies. There was a couple who was 67 years old. Obviously they weren't like having a traditional job. Um, but it was a sell. I had to like pitch it to my bosses. I had to pitch it to HR. I had to head all the way want, up to Marina. And you wanted to go. And you wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's it was amazing. a really big change for me. I had been at the same job for 13 years. I'd been in the same apartment for 10 years. You know, I went to, went to college with my best friend. I went to sleepaway camp with someone I knew. Like I actually, when I made the decision to go, I realized that I had never done something really like solely on my own. Mm. Um, so it was like an interesting moment of change did for you, me in a, in a lifetime a that had not a lot of change. No. So they give you a, an apartment, a co-working space, access to a co-working space and like local immersion activities, like volunteer programs and stuff in every city. I went to the bagel store in Prague. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> very well thought out though. I was yeah. so, so it's, it's a amazing. really good model. So I'm guessing that it's a really, really good model. it really set you up for success is what you're saying in the last couple of yeah. years, because you've been able to like channel some of that. You knew that you could successfully work from anywhere. Right. And we're so when I came back, like, right. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and so I came back to the, to the office for another year or so. And then just realized like, I can't just sit in the office anymore after having an experience like that, where you could like literally hike lines head in Cape town in the morning and then have work in the afternoon. I just like mm-hmm. the idea of going to my desk every single day was just really, it became really unappealing. Um, so I left it in February of 2020, 2020 with the idea of like freelance and consulting is really popular in PR. So many people have done it. Like all these people who we know from the agency who've left and are now like doing, doing that, like, why can I do it? And it was super scary and really intimidated and have like a freelance gig set up. I was just like, I'm assuming that I can make it work because all these other people have made it work. And now I know people from the network of MMC who are now all over so many different agencies. Like, can I, I assume I'll just tap all them to get work. And so I left and I took a month off or so I went to Mexico, just chilled. And then I came back and like, March 4th. And I was like, all right, like, I think I'm like ready to like start looking for some stuff. And then yeah, everything kind of exploded. Um, so like March, April and the first week that everyone thinks shut down, I actually had COVID, but didn't know because I had no taste and smell, thought I had a cold, but that wasn't a thing yet. Like a a week later, it's like articles breaking that was like taste and smell, maybe new hidden symptom. So I was just like chilling and um, my old boss at MMC, Michelle Schimmel, who I'd worked with for 10 years, was at W2O. And she knew, she was like, I'm going to get you work. Don't worry about it, whatever. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. But like at that point, it was like people were locking down on freelancers and people were not really looking for extracurricular support because they needed to make sure people were billable and make sure they were making money and profitable. So um, she... I think five, I can give you maybe five hours or 10 hours, but it took a little while. It wasn't maybe like end of April. So I was like floating around for like two months. And then I got, you know, I think maybe a reach out from a recruiter at 
um, GCI was looking for something maybe in like the HIV space, which I didn't have any experience in. I was like, I really I do a lot of stuff with women's health. That's really like where, where my GCI, and interest. We, they were a partner of ours, I think, at the time when I was at MMC. Weren't they across the yeah. street? They're Mary Beth, weren't they? They're WPP, but they're across the street. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I ended up talking to some woman there who was senior and they needed a mat leave fill. And so I ended up getting like immediately this position with like uh, for a four month stint on um, the Merck vaccines account. So I would simultaneously like doing a t- five to 10 hours a week at W2O and now this like, you know, 20 to 30 hours at GCI, which worked out great, but it was so weird to now not be at MMC after 15 years and then be I felt like a mole. Like I was in two agencies and like hearing different things and like seeing two different <laughs> styles of leadership. Like I had never seen anyone else lead besides Marina and, and Jim Weiss is a very different kind of leader. So it was just really interesting for me So in a positive way. So I was, you know, while the plans of traveling were interrupted over the past year, I was kind of inspired a little bit by the, the new agency approaches and how they did things. And most importantly, I think the biggest thing I was looking for that I did achieve was the lack of emotional attachment. Mm. You know, you're at a place for 15 years, you feel everything so deeply. Someone from your team leaves, you're like, oh my God, so distraught. I tried to keep him and my client, this happened. And it just was so like draining after a while because you just took everything so personally. So it was really nice. Marissa, does it sound familiar? You're in a different place. I'm I'm, I'm cold and barren now. Yeah, Marissa (laughs) Marissa and I just work together now. I just work with Jamie. Just the two of us. We used to have a, a full team. And because of COVID, we have parted ways with, with different girls over the year. And Who I love and miss. We miss I our love team and miss. desperately. But there's something very freeing about not, not having to worry about the, anybody. The emotional attachment to somebody. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't miss so, them. I just don't want that responsibility anymore. Not in this moment. Totally. So that part's been really positive. And the roles have been positive. The Matt Leaf thing finished. I ended up now 30 hours a week at W2O which is going on, I guess, almost about a year, like 10 months or so. I think, you know, the emotional attachment has come. There actually are a lot of fellow MMC RFM people that I that now work under me again um, on women's health business. So it's like but people I knew and love who are happier than when they were at the previous time. So getting to work with those great people is awesome. But, you know, the emotional attachment comes back. I think if you're kind of that type of person, yep. you're not going to stay like, you know, unaffected for so long right. if you stay for a certain period of time. Um, but overall, like I, I career wise, it really has, it has been, I think pretty positive. Like I didn't take any major steps back in what I was like with the travel part. Fine. That's the personal stuff, but professionally it really didn't throw me too far off track for what I was looking to do. I'm a remote employee now, regardless of COVID. So I can still do whatever I want from wherever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really have had like a, a positive experience, but I think the biggest piece of advice or learning, I mean, the jump, taking the jump to leave was a big taking one. Taking the leave, doing, leap. doing remote year was like a leap within a safety zone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because I still had the job, but I was getting to do it and also get challenged in other ways. Like I, so it like made I me said, feel a more hike, comfortable. A hike. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's fascinating. I love story. your story. And I, I I was admiring remote year from afar slash writing to you every five seconds. Cause I was like, what oh, are you doing? You what she was doing. You were like, Oh my God. What? I was like, you, like I, want, I was like, literally like, <laughs> so drop cool. it. Like, that's amazing. I wanted Lindsay to do it. My best friend. Um, Cause I just think it's such a cool, really incredible story. Um, yeah. 
What about you, Aim? So are you are you busy right now with any interior design work? Like what's everybody because yeah. right now everybody's building houses and moving and I know. You know, I was gonna say, I think I think COVID, if you really think about what's the opportunity, I something that comes to my mind is how many people pivoted and how many people like were able to make things work. I have a very good friends that own a craft studio. And I remember having a discussion with her saying, you know, and it was all about classes with kids and, you know, all that stuff had stopped. But I remember, you know, having a discussion with her saying every kid in the nation is home Mm -hmm. with nothing to do, you know, and she set up these at home craft kits and like, you know, it's just like there's such you just have to find it. And her tenacity, I just think about her so often, like her tenacity and her ability to see things and be like, okay, what's the opportunity here? And for me, you know, there were two things. I mean, I could have exploded to be honest, because there were so many people that were like, okay, I'm home. The home industry has increased tremendously. Um, Cost of doing business has increased also because you've got supply and demand. I was in the middle of my own home, my apartment renovation at the time of COVID. So my biggest job was actually my own apartment and my own job. And the first time that I did a big gut renovation with the Department of Buildings in the city, and it was a huge learning experience. Um, And one thing I really took to heart were the relationships that I made, like with my contractor. Um, Mm -hmm. with an architect, with a mill worker, with an electrician, like people that I really valued. Um, And my contractor was like phenomenal. Um, HESCO Construction, if anyone's ever looking for anyone in the city. um, It's honestly like it was such a positive experience because I think when you do things together in like a bit of a foxhole, you know, you, you have a very challenging environment and you kind of get it through to you work it through together and you come out the other side. We've since done a few projects together. So I've learned that like relationships are even more important. Erica, you said, you know, you work with people like, you know, like Michelle, like I know and I know everyone Michelle's talking about. I've like worked with as well. Um, and when you have those bonds, don't take that lightly. You know, like when you see how people work under extreme stress like COVID and you're impressed, don't forget that, Mm -hmm. you know, those are moments that can lead you to something else and subsequently led to like two other jobs after that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would recommend him to everybody. There is one who I won't mention partner that I worked with that I would not recommend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, at all, you know, and I was really disappointed with how they showed up. Or Mark Seibel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark. By the way, where are you sitting? Is this a new, is this a new addition? This is my, my uh, third floor. I don't know. Ah, Thank you. Very cool. Third floor. I love that. But anyway, it was just, it was just like, you know, so that's kind of what I, you know, but the other side is, and I don't know how many people are moms, you know, that you reach out to. Um, or that's part of your audience, but I was home with no childcare and two kids. So I was working after everyone went to bed and on the weekends. And so I would often like put my daughter to bed, fall asleep at like eight and then wake up at one or like midnight and do work until like three or four o'clock in the morning. I can't. Yeah. Because I had to get it done. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had to move things along, but during the day, I really had to be with my kids. I had, you know, Max was nine months when COVID hit. 
and you know, now they're two and four. So it's like, how, you know, how else are you getting things? And then you feel so splintered. So I think that's probably another episode, um, Mm -hmm. but you have to find what works for you. And I realized like at a certain point, I was like, I have to sleep and this is not, this is not working. I have to figure out, you know, another cadence of work, which I did for myself. And I'm in my own, I have my own business and pick and choose my own clients and, you know, really had to choose people who were like, it would be like, this is the schedule. This has to be okay. And for people it worked, you know, like for one lovely, lovely client that I have, it really worked and she completely understood. And it just, you know, so I think communication and telling people like what you can, what you need. And I think, I think think it speaks volumes to where we're going. Right. The, the silver lining of all of this noise and nonsense and fear that we're all continuously mm-hmm. triggered by is after it's done, God willing, mm-hmm. us saying that doesn't work for me mm-hmm. will be the norm. And, you know, I, mean, I think you just you used a verb just now, which I will I will give you cred for Storm. going forward. No, she said the word splintered. Mm. Yeah, I love the word splinter. Um, yeah, that is an excellent choice of word for a working mother balancing all the things. And so you know, we we all are. You know, we're in it. Like we all know anyone that's done this. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what your job is. It it was a thing. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. still going. Yeah. You know, it's you look at the school announcement and you're like, well, I hope I can go to work. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like it's just we you just you just can't you just almost have to. You have to lean into the fact that you can't control it. Yeah. So it is what it is. But at least the culture has come up around us. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we can be impactful without being inhibited by the fact that we are mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, which ironically, I don't think I ever noticed as much. Like, I don't think I ever admitted it to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I think, now. listen, I, I saw the best meme yesterday. I posted it actually on my Instagram story, but I'm just going to read it because it'll be a nice light transition to Mary Beth's advice. It says, just to confirm. Everyone feels tired all the time, no matter how much sleep they get or caffeine they consume, but also has trouble falling asleep slash is constantly hungry, but also nauseous with acid reflux slash spends every second working or cleaning yet gets nothing accomplished, question mark. And I'm like, this is me. Like just constantly exhausted, starving, starving and nauseous, nauseous, like working, cleaning, miserable but yeah. it's just it's just it's what well, that's just a light <laughs> a lighthearted way of saying like this shit's hard like amy's doing mm. this with two little kids under five amy like, i didn't know you had such little kids yeah. yes and i'm so happy for you amy because i know thank you were just you. always meant to be a mommy oh, um thank you. and you know i think i think that's a great segue into mary beth because yeah. um you know I, th- I think that the advice that Mary Beth can share potentially also um, and how things have shifted for her is coming from, a, you know, a very senior level HR person, you know, being able to say like, 
this is hard and it's okay to bring stuff like this to work or not. Or how do you say that? Like, you know, like, I think that's we're something coming that back a lot of people ask We're me. not coming back into the office. So many yes. We're wearing masks, but we're not. We're, I mean, I don't even know how you're doing it, MB. I don't know how you're keeping up. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what, how you've survived this and also some advice that you might have for, you know, yeah, a, a I mean, job seeker. Whenever I reflect on it, it's really freaking crazy. It's truly crazy. And, and someone just summed it up just like two days ago. And I thought it was so good, but all right. So I started in January, 2020 and I'm excited. I'm in a new job. I've been in my old job for a very long time, right? As these guys know, and now I have, I get to go on a business trip and I'm so excited <laughs> because there ain't no business trips at MMC. We have one office in New York. So I went all over the country. It was so exciting. I just was loving it. And my kids are a little bit older, so I could do it really easily. And it just felt great. I was meeting new people. I was connecting the dots. I got my notebook, Jamie style. <laughs> I'm like, going back to my hotel. And I'm, I just was on cloud nine. It was so exciting. It was such a new challenge for me. I was in San Francisco, Chicago, Cincinnati, Columbus. Wow. And then we were in Chicago, actually, when the sort of news hit. I remember sitting in the hotel and seeing that the NBA game was canceled, and that that was the end of that. And uh, from then on, so that was only from January till March, right? So two months. And so then from from the next part of the story, as this person had said to me the other day, the next chapter was very clear. It was like, all right, we got to freaking figure it out. This is, there's so much unknown. So as, as even Erica said, like, what can we what what do we do? Like we as the as the um, leadership couldn't take chances. We just had to sort of buckle down. We had to look at our numbers. We had to make cuts where we needed to. We had to you know just be very choiceful in the whole thing. There were there was you know every story in the news when it came to doing um what was it called where you furlough uh, whether you should lay off all that stuff. So all of those kind of things happened within my organization remotely, right? Um, for the first six months there, and then things started to kind of get calm. You're like, hi, I'm the new, I'm your new HR person. I started in January. This is me on Zoom. Um, me on Zoom. Also, I'm by sorry. the way, you're furloughed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So sorry. Sorry. I know you're on a visa and you're going to have to go back to Taiwan, but <gasps> yeah. <laughs> a lot of bad examples. I'm so sorry for those. It was horrible. It was really, really weird and hard and yeah. But we got through it. And with with the whole notion of we had to take salary cuts, 20% salary cut for three months, all those things. So, but at the time, honestly, I was like, what are the pushback and what's the pushback going to be? And people were amazing. We were very much in that foxhole sense. And we have a really great leader. My boss, Gabe Miller, is amazing. He's a guy that leads with heart. So he was like, it kind of felt like I, I got this guy. I want to, I want to stick with this guy. And so we did. We all kind of uh, hunkered down and we made it work. This is the part that gets interesting. Somewhere along the way in like fall, really, but mostly into 2021, we started kicking ass. And we're like, well, that's not supposed to happen that quick. That has got to be an anomaly. That can't be like a continuous thing. We're like, well, all right, now it's still happening. Now people were like, we don't have enough people. We're working our we're working our butts off. We are working like 15 hour days. And now the mental health thing, because it's also coupled with what Amy just described when you're a parent and you don't have any childcare and, and, and it just became this whole other problem. So rather than the foxhole, now we're like, shit, we've got to deal with where, what people's individual stories are, how we're going to say, I mean, it, it, I just can't. So then we went from there to where we are today, which is an enormous talent crisis. People are 
asking for a lot of money. Like somehow we went from, please leave me stay here. You know, like just keep, keep, let me keep my job to, I want 20, 30% more than what I was making or what I was making in my last place. And now people that are internal, obviously are asking for the same thing. Understandable uh-huh. because the people that are working here are now under market. So what do we do? We're going to, we can't solve all those problems all at once, but we have to bring in new people. So we're going to have to bring them at the higher salary. I mean, it is really a very serious problem wow. across the globe. And it's, and I'm a global company. So I deal with the, this is a global issue. It's not just an America's issue. It is a, we, we are in a hundred, and this is from a staffing standpoint. We are in a, a I've never, in, I've been doing this for 17 years. I've never seen anything like this. We are in a candidate driven market. Beyond however, anything you'd ever experienced, right? However, it doesn't, that's not even a sentence. That's not, it doesn't actually emulate what that means. It, 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 it's that people's needs, no one is coming to a conversation without their needs out. Like their pockets are empty. They're like, so this is what I want, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And either the company is going to give it to you, but they're not going to take the job. Yeah, literally. And this happened kind of overnight. So it's a pivot that's no one's able. No, prepared to the make. culture, the culture, there's no way any of it. I mean, literally none of us, even if we were like aired on the side of liberal, no one was ready for any of this. There are so many companies now, and I, I don't mean to segue, but for, for, I mean, I have a client who called me yesterday. She had 10 people resign between May and, and, and July. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore. No, like people are just like, this isn't working. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this. And, and literally just like, nope. And, and because their company went back five days and she said as HR, she said to the owner, I'm like, you've got, she said to the owner, like, you need to be flexible. Otherwise we're not going to be able to get anything. No one wants to work five days anymore. So what's the message here? If companies aren't providing flex opportunities, the message is, is if you are not providing flex opportunities, you will not have people that are actually loyal employees. Yeah. It is black and white. People may come in for six months. The minute they get something else, they're going to go. So if you're paying an agency for that, Phil, you're going to lose money. Yeah. I just don't understand why they would do that. It's so, I I don't understand how after everything we all went through, you don't gain the vision. Right. I, I don't get it. And then, and then, by the way, the, then that vibe attracts tribe, right? So then the only people that are going to work at that kind of company are going to be that kind of people so they can just do their thing. But right? change. Like, who wants to? No. No. No, no I think to do that. I think the good message here is um, the message, listen, this is, there's obviously been staffing crises before. I, this is definitely the most extreme that I've seen in the staffing business. But and I also, also, you can't get anyone to work. It's really challenging to get people to go to work and temporary, especially, um, and hourly folks, like they just don't, they don't want to, they're like, it's not worth it. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to risk it. I'm scared. I'm nervous or whatever it is. Um, and then there's people that are dying to get out. I spoke to a candidate this week that was like, I obviously have to ask those questions. Are you comfortable going to an in-person interview? Are you comfortable showing your vaccination card? And she literally is like, when can I go? Can I go tomorrow? Like dying to get out of her house. I, I think it depends on where you are in your life. You know, like Agreed. if I were, if I were like a 30 something year old person and not married with kids in the suburbs, I would want to work in my office and I'd want to feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
Like if, 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 if I'm me and I have no idea if my kids are going to go to school and every day there's like, you're going to go to school and now you're going to go in mass and I don't know what time it's going to be. And it's going to be three o'clock or it's going to be one o'clock. We're going to tell you on Tuesday and you're going to already have to cancel your meetings. And then the pediatricians are going to say, you need to do this, this, and this, and then you can't go. I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Right. right? You know what so, I think is so interesting. I have so much empathy for these companies right now. Like we had this incredible speaker last week, talk to our dream catchers community about um, just being more mindful when inclusive when it comes to gender and sexual yeah. orientation. I think there's so much pressure now on companies to just be ahead of the game. Like they just, you got to include everyone. You have to have a unisex bathroom. Then you also have to offer flex time. You also have to have a nursing room. You also, and it's, it's exhausting for the, but in the best way of like figuring out ways to make everyone, no matter who they are, want to work for you. Right. So there's companies that are just doing it well, right. There's people who, who I have a reputation for being some of the best places to work. This, the best advice I can give is there's articles upon articles in, in trade journals, et cetera, about places that are good for X, Y, or Z, right? So I remember when I was looking to start a family, you research best companies for working moms and there are rankings for these things. And yeah. I think that the best, the best advice I could give is pick what's important to you. And if it's flex time or if it's having a nursing room or if it's gender inclusivity or if it's a combination of those things mm-hmm. and research it, research, research, researchers. There's so much accessible information now. I think mm-hmm. when we all applied for jobs, you couldn't figure this stuff out. It was like, you just had a hope that when you went on an interview, they understood you and they were inclusive to whatever it is that you were looking for. It was so, so I think that's, and yeah, Mary Beth, you might, and, and I don't know, but I, and Erica, let me know what you think. But like, I feel like when I was at MMC, like the last years when I was managing director and we got all like the staff, um, like survey, flex time, yeah. flexible hours, yeah. flexible was such a consistent message throughout. And that was years ago. Years ago. Yeah. I had it. I had like one day from home and it was a big deal. I remember that. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she was, you know what, Mary Beth, I actually credit you for this. You know, you, from the very beginning of working for you, you set a boundary and it's something that I've always emulated and tried to teach to the people that have worked for me. Mary Beth had to make a specific train in order to get her kids from daycare. If she didn't get to daycare at that time, she would get charged a dollar a minute per kid. And I'll never, ever forget. She's like, I don't make the 456, whatever. And she would run out the door like, (laughs) Like physical sprint, okay? True. Because we would always be working until like the second before she needed to leave. And, and and then she'd call me from like huffing and puffing from the street. Like, I just need you to send this because blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking she was out of her mind at the time because I didn't have kids yet. So I was like, what is happening? Like, and you realize she set a boundary. This was before it was like cool to do that. She's like, listen, I have to leave by 500 or whatever it was each day yeah. in order to get my my kids out of daycare. It just is mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was really adamant about that. And it really stuck with me years later where girls who work for us, Marissa and I are really, as long as you get your stuff done, get out, yeah. like go do, yeah. if you need to go to work out and you want to be at a six o'clock class. And that means you have to leave at five 30 to get there. Like as long as your stuff's done, bye. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think and I it got that from Mary. I really got that from Mary Beth. She was so rigid in the best way. Yeah. yeah. 
Because I remember then I think would be like, I don't have kids. And screw you. Like, why is it just for the parents? And I was like, good point. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just point. be yeah. like I had a reason. I, and so you know, Erica well, might have been. Wasn't, like, oh, it wasn't it wasn't like you went home to like well, there wasn't Netflix. But it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it it wasn't like you were chilling. You were going straight into your other job. But you right. should yeah. but, but but yeah, to Erica. Be fair, to be fair, just Erica, don't she wanted have, to go to soul cycle class at 630. I agree. I always, I always used to say, this is such a one dimensional equation and this is coming from being a working mother. I always used to be frustrated years ago. This dates me, but when people would, I worked in fashion, people smoked a lot. Um, That's a weird sentence to combine, but New Yorkers (laughs) understand what I mean. So, you know, they would go downstairs every 15 minutes and I didn't smoke. And I'd be like, I'm doing the work here. Like right. I go downstairs. I remember you've given you get like I've given that example before, that. and it's such an interesting one. Yeah, you're like, why should you like, be able you, to why, go outside should, and get oh, fresh because air? Because you can't smoke inside, which thankfully you can't smoke inside. You can't smoke inside, so I should be I should be put out because you're going downstairs to smoke. Like I want to go downstairs to chew gum, which by the way I think is responsible for the fact that I have a power chewing gum issue to this day <laughs> when I'm stressed. I think I overcompensated out of envy or ridicule by chewing lots of gum whenever I was stressed out. Anyway, doesn't matter. But but the point is, is, is just because I'm a mom doesn't mean somebody else shouldn't have the same ability for mental health and break. Yeah. My yeah. issues are different than other people's issues. That's and that true. should be okay. Erica, yeah. Erica, what are what are your thoughts on that as you lead a team now and you don't have children? Like, are you well, flexible yeah. that way? Have you always let? I'm, well, I'm the other thing is, that way. I'm, wor- I'm working a 30 hour week Fair. on purpose, right? So, the reason that I'm working the 30 hours is so that I can have that flexibility without guilt. Because I could be a 40 hour full time employee, but if I stepped away to t- take an hour and a half walk in the middle of the day, I feel guilty. And granted, if I take an hour and a half walk in the middle of the day, I'm still checking my email. So, like, I'm not really disconnected. Um, but there is just something to be said about being able to have that flexibility without guilt. Yeah. And I think while I can tell employees like, yeah, I don't care when you look. like now I have no idea when people are coming and going. You, you literally have no idea. Right. Like I'm not checking people's bubbles if they're active, mm-hmm. like you, you just don't know. So you could be taking, they could all be taking a break in the middle of the day, you know, and I, more power to them if they do. It's your, I, I find in my, for, for me, it's like my self guilt or myself, like, and when I, when I was abroad, I felt like I felt guilty because my team was in the office and I was somewhere and people would like say something to a client that I was like, oh yeah, and Eric is calling from Cape Town. I was like, no, no, don't tell anyone because I feel that like it was my mm-hmm. own guilt. And so some of that experience was hard because I felt like I had to overcompensate and make sure I was showing up, even though I was just doing my, like, I'm still doing my same job and the business was growing and everyone was fine and happy. Um, but like I, you know, so I definitely encourage flexibility. And I think the remote work when I was, when I was full-time, Actually, I did take a reduction when I was traveling, but I think that was an illustration of the utmost flexibility, right? If I'm working from another country, like you should feel free to do what you want to do. So I think it's set a good example. And now I spend 30 hours a week. Like my clients don't know. Most of my team, some of them maybe know, some of them don't. Like I don't make now it they thing. Do. So it's listening yes. to this. Hello. <laughs> um, it's not a secret. I just don't like, I'm not like, oh, I'm at 30. See, ya. I'm not going to check my email. Now. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, you make it work. Um, or how you want to, but it's so it, I, 
I also I had a boss who, who had to leave who worked a flexible schedule. So I do think that's not a good example. Um, I do think it matters in this industry what your clients are like. Um, you know, if you have a client who's emailing all hours with an expectation that you're going to respond at all hours, that sets a bad precedent for your team. Um, I've been pretty fortunate over my career where I haven't had clients or bosses that have expected that. Um, and I haven't, and most, like I mentioned with Michelle being my boss for 10 years, she had children. So she set a good work-life balance and left at a certain time. And therefore didn't, it didn't feel like the team had to pick up the slack. It just felt like, oh, the team can also have balance. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that sense. Oh, sorry. I think you have that sense of like that people are accountable and that no matter what they're able to do, like you have the confidence and the accountability to make it work. You know, I think that is a brilliant thought. What you're saying, like, and that's it. Like, period. Like there's no bullshit. There's no, you know, like, it's like you, you have to trust that that person is going to do their job, that they're not going to leave you high and dry. And it doesn't matter how many hours a week they're working or they're not just shutting off. You know, they're like accessible and accountable and responsible and respectful, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and, those, so and those are, by the way, those soft skills, which I was recently taught that the word soft skills shouldn't be the thing anymore. We shouldn't say that it actually should be a skill without the yeah. word soft. Yeah. Um, but that is what I think my, as a, as a frontline recruiter, thinks about the generation that's coming out now, right? So so we're all about equal. What's interesting mm-hmm. about everybody now is we've all gone through what we just went through at the same time. So it didn't matter who you were, what level of life you were in. It, even though we all had different issues, we all suffered the same-ish, right? Yeah. So the, one of the things that I think is interesting is having the no the the bandwidth to know what accountability so acceptance flexibility you know nurturing not judging all those things are completely fine as long as you do your job though right so you know i think what we're going to see in the workforce now and i'm sure mary beth will see this probably first is an like a like a an heir to overshare like a, like a, where the person that's then doesn't realize that like, okay, we're all good here. Like we all know that like, we're all saying like, sometimes you need to like reel it back in and still be professional to a degree. Mm. And what is the definition of professional in a non or a new version? What's the new version of professional? And what does that look like? So for instance, I'm just going to give an example for anybody out there that's listening. I, ordered this is true true story i ordered food um i or, i did a target order anyone order from target food? Online? Mm-hmm. actually it's great no i mean I, I still i'm still it's not I'm still, Instacart, it's, I'm still um, like a fresh direct person and an amazon prime person but it's it's like that but it's it's run by a company called ship which of course i want to look up and figure out who they are um ship. anyway yeah. they go and they go and execute your order and bring it to you so you pay like a $10 premium, which frankly, when you do as much as I do, sometimes you say to yourself, that's stupid. And then other times you're like, that's plenty fine. I don't want to, I don't have time to go to Target. Also, when I go to Target, I spend $300 more than what I wanted to spend. So it actually, $10 that's why I go. is a good I find pay. it very calming. I walk up and down the aisle. So, so fun. I, Jamie and I are so different. I can't. So anyway, point is I ordered for last night from, from 
six to eight was the delivery for my food to come. By the way, all organic, fine. Doesn't matter. Point is the, the guy or the girl, I don't know who it was, um, responds and says, "I, if you don't mind, I'm going to fill this order tomorrow morning um, between eight and nine because I was at the store this whole time waiting for another order that didn't come through and I just got home. So I hate to be super honest, but if it doesn't bother you, I, I would rather get it tomorrow. And I'm like, I, okay, um, one, this is a service. Two, I don't want to know all this information. Three, okay, <laughs> like, I don't really need it now. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, it's a weird text situation. So sure enough, I'm nice. What else is news? And say, I don't really need it. So guess what? They're supposed to be at my house between eight and nine with my order this morning. And guess who doesn't come? Damn. So guess who has to call the weird 1866 number and complain <laughs> that my order didn't come because I needed to go to Target and get it my freaking self. <laughs> so, so sure enough, I call and I said, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to be disrespectful and I don't want to get this person in trouble because that's where I am, right? I don't want to get this person in trouble, but like, they should never have spoken to me like that. Like, this like as you were a buddy, like I'm not, like, I'm not I'm at not, the store not anymore. Friends. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't need, like, I'm so sorry. Like, unless you have COVID, drop my shit off. I ordered it. Thank you. <laughs> With your glove. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, I ordered it. I paid for it. It's not my problem. You're home tired. I'm tired too. That's why I didn't go. So um, anyway, point is, is I called and I said to them, I said, listen, I have documentation in this conversation. I, I didn't want to get them in trouble. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we see it. It's a text app. And which is, this is when you realize that I'm old. I'm like, duh, of course they see it. Like, I'm such an idiot. So they see the entire thing. And now this per poor person is going to get like probably fired for handling themselves. Well, yeah, because they should, she shouldn't have necessarily told you that she like didn't she, want to do your they, order. That I tonight. don't know who it was. But, but if the point is, when she said she was going to in the morning, right. that they that, that that was not okay, and then they didn't show up. But you know what? Anyway, I think I think what's a, net, a good sum up of this conversation. You, yeah, yeah. If you're, we are going to be flexible. Be account. What Amy be was accountable, saying. right? Do if we're going to live in a flexible life, still be accountable for your like, like how different this story could have went if she showed up at seven forty five. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like if and you are, if I'm going to accommodate you, I'm taking that risk on you. Right. Yeah, so right. now you have to understand in my life, if someone says to me, I'm going to, I'm not feeling well, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the interview. I'm immediately yellow light. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, mm -hmm. what's happening? And that's on me. Right. So I said to myself, this person overshared, I yeah. don't know you. It's a text message on an app. It's a service. This is not my business. I'm going to give you a solid. If I give you that solid, which frankly was because I didn't want to undo the groceries at nine o'clock last night either. It's fine. Yeah. Um, they should have been at my house at seven forty-five this morning. Yeah, yeah. Like it would have been totally different, and it would, yes. would have came. And then it would have been like five star rating. Yeah, you know, because you have to remember your place, right. In right. the world. You and, know what I think? And also just yeah. like, it's a human, she asked for, they asked for a human, it was a courtesy. human request. And you gave So you asked me for response. human courtesy and now you've dipped right. me and now I'm on an 800 number. Right. And, and, with no, and I don't have coffee fine. creamer. And I still don't have my and, food. <laughs> and I didn't and I get still Coca Pebbles. And by the way, there are people in my house that get really mad about that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
So, you know, you know, I think I think this is a really interesting segue to our last my last question. I mean, I could have asked you guys a thousand things. I have two questions. Um, This is a good segue into what we call our brand crush conversation, which I think we can all relate to. And I'll, I'll get there in a minute. But what I wanted to do what, what for fun, even though this part of the tangent is, is entertaining, is not to put everyone on the spot because I'll go first. But I wanted to see if we could dig up, because I think this is a really interesting way to share with our audience that people make impressions on you all throughout your life. And sometimes people, I mean, what's that saying? Like people come in and out of your life, but people who leave footprints are like with you forever or something like that. These ladies, for better or worse, have imprinted on me in some way over the years. And we have not seen each other for reference together in the same room, probably since my wedding, but maybe intermittently um, other than that. But I, what I wanted to just share, which I think would be a fun game, is like a favorite memory that we can think of, if we can hopefully think of a memory that involves all of us great, but just a fun memory that we all worked together for, I worked with these three women for less than five years. They worked together for way longer. Um, just to share with the audience that some things that happen in your life that you don't necessarily think are a big deal at the time end up staying with you forever. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to share it because I think it's fun. There is a trick in Outlook that Mary Beth taught me that changed my entire life. Like when I tell you, I'm not just like, oh my God, like Mary Beth's the best. I had no idea that you could do this. And it is something I use 50 times a day. When you are an Outlook Outlook user, this is a game changer. For somebody that schedules a lot of things, right? I am a scheduler. I am a recruiter. So I schedule interviews all day long for me and for others. If you see an email in your inbox, you can take that email, click on it, and drag it into your calendar. And it'll open your calendar. And the entire history of that email, which is what you want to kind of put on your calendar or for the client or whatever it is, is there. So that to me was like a thing. Also the largest professional mistake that I've ever made in 20 years of working was with this woman. And I reference it all the time that you, it's okay if you make mistakes because one time I sent total rewards documents of everybody's salary and bonus to the wrong person. We were one off in the alphabet. So like Erica got Amy's and oh, Amy got Mary that. Beth's and Mary Beth's got Jamie's and it was everybody's like total reward statements. Mary Beth and I are like, we're going to do this really cool thing for the whole agency and like print out everyone's gorgeous like pie chart and show everybody their total comp, like total comp is not just your salary. Chart. It was a pie chart. We printed it per yeah. person and we sent it. I sent it to one off of each person. So like a junior hard AE, copy mail, just to be clear, hard copy email. you hard mail. copy mail. mail. So you couldn't like unsend it. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember this. It was Damn. the largest professional mistake. It was the largest thing. And, and Mary Beth, I have to just say this because it's important to share. I've had a lot of interesting Maria Mar- moments, but that was probably one of the biggest. And I remember where I was when it happened. I was with my cousin, Hallie at sushi on the Upper East side. I was like having a full blown meltdown. <laughs> Speaking of accountability, responsibility, I took responsibility. I'm like, this was my fault. Mary Beth and I were chatting. We were in her office. We were like paying attention, but I was probably just whatever. I collated wrong. And we asked 
the entire agency to bring in their envelope sealed. Because if they got it in the mail, they just bring it in. And I would say of the 70 that we mailed, 60 came back sealed. Like people were like, I didn't open it yet. I got you. So we were able to fix this mistake, but it was like an irreparable mistake. Like it was like, Erica now saw like what her boss makes, which is like really, really bad. And so I, I don't remember. Like I share this it, because the story. Mary Beth had my back, did not tell anyone. We handled it together. We fixed it. I didn't get fired because of it. Like it was a really big mistake. And we, oh, I owned it. I was like, this was my fault. I, I was a, a total basket case. But I share that because I think it's really important to, to note that. I mean, I was not new in my career at that point. Like I was a few, like I was probably in my, you know, late twenties. I'd been working for a few years. I was, but I was still young and impressionable and this happened and it was detrimental and could have been way worse. And Mary Beth just, you know, rescued me. So I share that because it's such a, it was such an impressionable time in my life where that was an important memory that I still channel to this day when people who work for me make a mistake and nothing that big, but it happens. Mixtape. Well, in HR, that is a, a mistake that we fear almost every day. You're like, I have so much confidential information. I could share it. You're just like so afraid to send anything. But the part that the, one of the reasons why I, of course, had your back and all of those things is this was the most complicated exercise you could ever imagine that this woman did. This woman being Jamie. She had to figure out what everybody's comp was and put it into some crazy ass pie charts, color coded, and it had to be very specific colors. Uh, right? Because we were that kind of an agency. And it was like the, the the actual exercise was so stressful and hard. The The moment she put them into the envelopes was like, it's done. We did it. It's amazing. Oh my God. And we sent it off. And it was like a baby was born. Like it was the most, it was the biggest freaking deal. And then that happened. And it was like, no. How did you, oh I don't remember how you knew though. You realized Somebody that. got it in the mail. Maybe. Don't remember the 80. Love that woman. Got the wrong one. She got oh somebody God. else. And she was like, uh-oh. And she called me and I was like, Whoa. you know, and then I called yeah. you. Wherever you I was like slow motion vomit. It was yeah. the worst. I where I was too. It's like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I remember where I was. It was so bad. She get like an AAE and was like, I don't make this. Yeah, it was it was really, really bad. And I like if you think about in the grand scheme of things, the person to call you to tell you this is like the fact that it was Nancy was like probably a good thing. Yes. And we caught we caught most people. Nancy is one of the great most people. And it was like it could have been way worse. Yep. I mean, she she taught me a saying she was like mistakes happen. You know why? Because humans are involved. Yes. See, and, uh, it's and always I, the feelers, the good people. Yes, I yeah. say that all the time. And she's just so understanding and yeah. totally. Oh, my gosh. I think it's interesting that like your vomit moments at work are like the moments that stick with you. And also the moments like that don't kill you, make you stronger. It's yeah. so true. You know, I think I think what we're, where we can wrap, because we could talk about this for hours. I was going to put you on the spot and ask you for other stories, but I could tell stories all night. And that's obviously not why you hazing besides you hazing me. I don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Like when, when (laughs) I hazed Erica in college, yeah. When I hazed Erica in college (laughs) or like pretended to haze, I was like, I have to be a bitch now. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) I love you. Um, so 
<laughs> just to wrap, I think one of my favorite things, and I tell this, I, I do a course on this actually for, for our community. And actually now Marissa and I are college professors and we teach this course at our local community college. Um, but part of it is called the Brand Crush Project, which as branding people and everybody that works in the branding world in some way, um, I like to ask this question as a last question because I think it's really interesting as people that have worked for really strong brands and are themselves a strong brand, um, what inspires you? Like what companies out there, brands or things right now that are that have kept you going? So whether it's during COVID or it's a company that you've seen doing something that inspires you. And like, for example, Remote Year obviously is a, is a brand crush for Erica, right? Um, I think these are really cool things to share because often people then take our brand crushes and look them up and figure out if maybe they can work there. Um, and that's what the Brand Crush Project is. It's a whole networking program that I created that's basically just be looking at your own personal interests and then figuring out where to apply to, to jobs. Um, so I like to ask our guests that question, what your brand crush is right now. Do you have one um, that you just think is doing really good work that you think is inspirational mm -hmm. to a job seeker? Erica, do you have one? It seems like you have one at the right. Yeah, way. I do have one. I, I was reviewing my questions in advance. Um, and by advance, when I was walking here. <laughs> um, Together is this new media brand that was founded by Alex Morgan, Chloe Kim, and two other female, a Sue Bird and another female swimmer. Um, it launched during COVID. And it's like these four female athletes who are waiting for representation, you know, and deals and endorsements and, you know, equal opportunity in the entertainment kind of industry and started their own company. And they're just like, that. when I, they first launched, and I was seeing their feed. I was just like, that, that would be a, such a sick company to work for. I just think they're doing such cool things as someone who said in the beginning I, that I'm like a huge sports person. And while I'm not doing sports professionally, then I personally like spend time watching or playing or whatever. And I just think they're it's like a really cool brand. I'll have to check that out. I don't know that together. Yeah, it's together. And there's like maybe an X in there or something. Or something. Hold on. I'll tell you how they spell it. I'll have to find that. So what did you play? Um... Soccer? I played soccer, softball, and basketball in high school. It's T O G E T H X R to get like, uh, her, like yep. her. follow. Oh, this yeah, is so I just cool! Think really cool, awesome. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great one. And and these are just for those that are listening. You just never know. Look these places up. Do they have? Especially now, it doesn't matter if their offices are in your city, right? Do they have local offices to you? Are they looking for freelancers? Do they work for an agency that might be of interest to you? So these are, I mean, that's a great one. I never heard of it. See, look at, look at that. We're all learning something new every day. Um, Aim, do you have a brand crush? Yeah. I mean, I think I have like two. Um, if I look at like the bigger picture, honestly, I mean, I could not live without Amazon Prime. I cannot live without, and I know it's such a, it's such like a, it seems like such a silly, like predictable answer. But when I look at the past year and I look at how busy things are and I look at how like every night I'm just like swipe, like it's ordered, it's done. The pricing mm -hmm. is right. Like, you know, it's just like, it's so much easier. I'm a shopper and I'm an in-store person. And there are times when I'm just like, God, I should have just looked this up. And I think about buying things for all the kids, for the kids, like crafts, paper, crayons, paints, like anything. And it's just, I see why Toys R Us is out of business. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and it's a shame, but it's also like, it's just so convenient. So um, easy. I agree. It's so easy. So I think it, it's a predictable answer, but it's, it's honest. It's the truth. Um, I think that the other brand crush I have right now is, you know, on a smaller scale, but a really meaningful, I mentioned the craft, I mentioned that um, woman who owns a craft studio, it's called the craft studio and it's based in New York. There's two locations. There's one on the Upper East Side, one in Tribeca. And I have seen this woman, her name is Lindsay and she owns it. And her, I've seen her pivot um, like nobody you've seen before and just the dedication to this business. And we did Ava's fourth birthday party in the park. And it was with all her friends. It was like a pod party with her class from school. And it made us, and I wrote Lindsay a letter afterward and her team because it made us feel normal again. It made us feel, it was such a great experience for the kids and they do such great work and they bring such joy and they brought it like all back full circle for me. So I would say as a brand and as a company and watching them grow and watching the pivot, I'm so inspired by her. And they're on Instagram. You could check them out. Um, I think it's just, I just looked it up the craft studio. Yep. I see her. Yeah. I love that. And it's like, and they do such great work and they're so talented, but every single person is so, you know, is so, I think it's such a meaningful business and the message is so meaningful and the kids like love it. Ava like adores the crafts. And you know, that you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Cause that fun fact was after Turner and before I joined Marissa, I worked for a company called Kidville, which has, um, because I wanted to open one, um, that is admittedly why I went to work there. And I ended up um, managing their Hoboken location for three and a half years before I joined Marissa. And um, I loved, loved that pivot of my career. I did all their hiring, their dance classes, birthday parties. That was before that was you had kids, right? Before I had kids. And it was Marissa and I's first dream was to open a studio slash enrichment center and it's so interesting to, to see how it's come full circle that that was our original business plan, the Dream Big Academy. Um, and what she ended up doing is writing children's books called the Dream Big Academy. And then we started the Dream Catchers instead. So wow. um, where we educate and inspire adults instead of kids. But it is something Marissa does a little bit of work still with children. We do some work in our schools through the Dream Catchers. But um, I have a soft spot for anyone that runs that yeah. Kind of oh my business. God. So I'm following her now. I'm so disappointed. Um, I went with Ava all the time and um, Matt, they closed, they closed down during COVID. Like they're out of business. I'm sure. Oh. So sad. Yeah. It is so sad. Like we kept in touch with like our favorite coach, Andrew. He was amazing. And just like the whole thing, like, yeah, I'm very disappointed because I we still, that- I still keep in touch with coach Gordon. He was Marissa, actually Sienna's remember coach Gordon. Yeah. Um, same kind of thing. Love that. Um, Mary so, Beth, do you have a brand crush? Yeah, mine's totally, it's interesting because I think this is going to come full circle, but we are now <laughs> looking at colleges, um, for my son. Mm, By the oh way, Griffin God. is like a superstar athlete. Wait, I just have to say I this shameless plug. shameless plug, Marissa and I were asked to do um speaking oh my engagement. god oh my god oh my god oh my this god. is really good it's good to share on air I, I i texted this you briefly but i'm going to tell it live better we were asked to do a speaking engagement through an organization called um the society for teen Su- uh, prevention of teen suicide yeah. and we are very involved with suicide prevention and mental health 
associations here in Monmouth County. And we were asked to do a part of their wellness summit where we talked to high school students about what they want to be when they grow up and how to start and resumes. And it's a wellness summit throughout the state of New Jersey that they partnered with different high schools and guidance departments to bring different leaders like Marissa and I and 11 other, I think, classes that were offered into these different schools. So we did a Zoom session that people could sign up for our session. We had a huge audience um, both days. We did it twice. And one of the days we went around and we were like, throw it in the chat where you are from, blah, blah, blah. And one of the days we had like several people right in the chat. They went to Glen Ridge High School. So I'm like, I know somebody who lives in Glen Ridge. And I'm just like live on this Zoom with like 70 kids. And I'm like, does anyone know Griffin Seibel? Like literally like that. <laughs> Everyone's like, he's the best baseball player in our high school. He's like, so, like, not, like people are like fanning out over Griffin. That's and I was crazy. like, I mean, I see it on Facebook. But like the girls were writing, like, we love Griff, like, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. Like, all, it was crazy. Like, as if he was like a famous person. Oh, I'm like, oh, I know him since he was I a mean, baby. The one thing is, um, he but he's like media. a superstar athlete. But my husband runs a baseball social media business. So it's like, he's got like this guy, I mean, he's got his dad underneath him, like able to do some super shares, but he, um, but yeah, he's a great athlete. But so in the process of him getting recruited and all that, not to, this isn't about shameless plugging. It's more about like the schools and what they're able to, uh, you know, his discovery, he's only going into his junior year. So he still has two more high school years. Right. But he's like, all right, I'm, he's, it's cool to watch it through his young eyes. And he really isn't ready for college at all. Right. So he's going on these tours to Ohio state and college of Charleston and Elon. Oh, you mean Ohio State? No, yeah, no. Not, you didn't choose it, but they've been—they have actually been recruiting him for over a year. So, so he talked. By the way, Ohio State and College of Charleston is like, is like, is like you just said English versus like, like Japanese. No, I know that's so like different. Okay. College that's of Charleston, by the way, awesome. He predominantly but that's and like four thousand people. Total. Right, totally. But that's what I mean. Like the the different brands that each of them represent and what you know of them. And then once you like kind of get in there and experience them more is pretty incredible. It really is. And so the school that he chose or chose him and then he therefore chose is Xavier, which is in Cincinnati. And the reason uh he loved it is it's like he's so proud to wear that X. Oh, man. It's like, just like you guys with your blue, it's like there is behind it. That's like so freaking powerful. And everything about that school he ended up absolutely loving. And so he's like, I'm choosing it. I'm like, he had this big like signing oh, moment. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that. And he's like, hold on. So he knows where he's going to go to college and he's not even in his junior year yet? Yeah. That's how sports work. Right? That's how awesome. sports work. And by the way, the way that, that professional baseball works, which I just realized while watching the draft, is that you can get recruited to work to, to play for the MLB when you're still in high school and they like mm-hmm. let you go through college. Right. Your question is why is Jamie watching the draft? Because I was like <laughs> randomly watching it with Dave and Sam. I'm like, what's happening here? Yeah. These kids are like 12. for baseball and for yeah, hockey, but, but not for football or basketball. <laughs> right. I was very confused. And it's so weird to me. Sorry. And I sent a text in my family thread. I'm like, I find it fascinating that MLB does it this way, but like NFL does it the other way. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, wait, so then one last story. Just That's awesome. Right? So yes. I, said, I said to Christine, yes. I'm like, I'm doing this podcast with Jamie. I was like, you remember her son? He's the one who ruined your Minecraft. He's like, no, it was Clash of Clans. That's exactly what he said. So <laughs> Jamie brought her. You remember. 
very young son here. And he like grabbed his, I guess, I don't know, iPad or something at the time. And then like, and really, like deleted his game or something, which by the way, Sam will only understand this. There's two stories like that. That's one. And then Marissa's girls, Marissa's, Marissa's daughter, like ruined our cousins, like built Lego, like, Something like a crazy ship and like fell and like broke this whole thing. A physical Lego thing at our cousin's house for Thanksgiving. Travis and Marissa's daughters were like hysterically crying because they felt so bad. So that's what you're. Oh my god, that's right. That's you. I just know the way he was out of beat. He was like, he was like, mom. It was Clash Clans, and I was like, oh yeah. Like he remembers. He was like seven. You know, crazy. Oh my god, Riff. Oh, he's such a big boy. All right. Well, they, 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 I, do great I, they, speaking of with sports, Erica, they're going to start. I mean, if I know this was news recently that they're starting to really endorse at a younger age now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, mm. like uh, sports agents are coming after the grips of the world. Because oh, it's yeah. Well, now with the new yeah, NCAA to, go to like, you know, the yeah. young American kid that's like doing the yeah. thing. Doing the um, thing. Yeah, I'm gonna keep him healthy. That's all that matters. He's still really young. Yeah, true. And no, listen. This has been such a pleasure. I love seeing you all. I love catching up. I don't know, but I'm just so happy that you guys were here with us tonight and we're able to shed some light on our past and our histories together, but also kind of how successful and amazing you all have been since we've worked together, which I think is the most fun part about these conversations. Same to you. Yeah. And I'm just thrilled to have you as part of the Dreamcatchers web and family now. Yeah. Marissa and I are really, this is, a, like I said earlier, it's a career highlight for us to be doing this work and to be interviewing people about what they do and why they do it. And we were still are every episode shocked when we see our numbers that there's so many people that need to hear these stories and are seeking this kind of content and just so thankful for you guys to have been here um, to share your story. Cause I'm guessing most of the time people say to me, I don't know the last time I talked about that, you know? So I'm just so happy that, you know, to talk about what you wanted to be when you grew up, how did you start? These are things, and even for your own teams, maybe not Erica's clients who don't know that she's working 30 hours. I mean, these are things that (laughs) feel free to share the episode when it's, when it's out with anybody that you think would be inspired by listening to it, but just so grateful to have you ladies here tonight. And thank you for being here. We have Amy's, do we have Amy's interior design handle to tag? Ooh. Yes, I have it. I have everything. We can tag uh, you after. You. Um, and Thanks for make- having us, guys. Honestly, of it was course. really fun. It was really fun to see everybody, and it was really fun to chat about just old times. And it's honestly, it feels very- like yesterday. It really does. It really does. It's very thank cathartic. You. It is. There's something very cathartic about talking about these types of things. Yeah. And thank you to Ming and the team at Share Universe for doing our sound, okay. as always. Um, and thank you to Choice Our Sponsor. Um, And that's a wrap.